Weekend sports with a difference. So I thought it'd be fun if we all went around and said our name and a little something about ourselves. I'll start. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. Will you stop your damn sniveling, son? Buck up, Bart. Buck up. On ESPN Sports Radio 1080, The Fan. Good morning, everyone. If you can tell by this, you know, kind of Barry Whitish, almost, you know, Billy D. Williams type voice, I'm not Mike Lynch. Lynch is in San Diego? San Diego. Is that where you went? San Diego. San Diego. Um, Lynch is always somewhere super tight. Like, he's never, he never just goes, oh, we just, we want to tell him up for a night. You know, right. he always has somewhere pretty awesome to go. And I think he's going to be gone again in a couple weeks going somewhere, he and his wife. And, you know, I think he's in San Diego with his parents right now or with his lady's parents. Do you know which one? I think it's his, uh, I think it's his lady's parents. Okay. Yeah. That should be dope, man. I, I've said it once, and I'll say it again. San Diego, and this is no disrespect to my to my hometown. I love it-ish here for the most part. There are some things that could change, but uh, for the most part, I love Portland. But San Diego might be my favorite American city, like, anywhere. Like, it's it's that fun. It's that much fun to me. It's a beautiful place. It's a constant 77, 78 degrees, even in the even in the winter. Um, great food everywhere, and the optics, fellas, I'm pretty sure you know what I'm talking about, are awesome. And ladies, shoot, yeah, the optics are pretty great for you as well. So I'm not going to sit here and act like uh, I don't know a handsome guy when I see it. I'm going to act like I don't see him. But, yeah, it's pretty it, – it's an awesome place. Have you been to San Diego, Jesse? Uh, once, long time ago, in my early teens, um, did some – you know, body surfing there. It was fun. I, one thing I remember about that place is the water was warm when I got in it. It was not like here when you get in the ocean, you're freezing. Down no, was, yeah, it was, it was nice, like, like like a nice warmed pool. Yes, or something like yeah, that. What's your was, favorite city, awesome. Jesse? I don't, I don't really know. I have a few I, of them, but I think San Diego's probably at the top of my list. I would probably put Denver there. Um, I do love that city quite a bit. It it was kind of my home away from home when I was a child. Went and visited family there every summer. Um, I, I always thought the ecosystem there was really cool because you could be there, wake up, it's a beautiful day like it is today. And then, you know, the thunderhead clouds roll in, you start get some thunder, some lightning, you see a couple twisters come down, you see oh, some no. golf ball size hail. Denver's a dope like, city. It, I, I just remember playing basketball there uh, once for a tournament. I think I had to be like a junior or something like that. And uh, it was it was the worst. Like, you feel like... You know, as you get high up and higher in the mountains, your ears start popping and stuff like that. It seemed like when you shot the ball, the the ball just hung in the air for about ten seconds mm-hmm. before it actually dropped. So I wasn't crazy about Houston, or excuse me, Denver. I think it's a, a awesome, awesome city. Like great food, um, the aesthetics are awesome as well there. So and especially if you like stuff, if you like 
snowboarding, skiing, you know, some of those things. Yeah. I think Denver is an awesome place. I love skiing. It's a mecca for that place. Um, it's really a great it's, – it's a good transplant city for a Portlander because they have a lot of the similar things. The one thing they miss is the ocean outside of that. They have mountains you can go hike in. You can go kayaking. You can go snow skiing. Um, there are lakes you can still go water skiing. And so there's just all the things that we like to do in Portland that are there. It's just you don't have the beach. It and you get the sun every day in Denver. It's I'll literally it. it's one of the sunniest places that you can go to. I mean, you get the cold a lot too. But you do. I guess you have to. It's a different kind of cold. It's a dry cold. That's the thing. Like I go there and I like their cold better than our cold because we have a wet cold. It kind of no. We have to a chill it. you to the bone right? cold here. So it's yeah. one thing to be wet. It's another thing to be cold, but to be wet and cold mm-hmm. at the same time. Like that's how people get sick. So that's really what we're dealing with today. But today. Oh, t- today is not one of those days. Today it's a beautiful, what, has to be 70 outside right now? Uh, I don't know if it's there let's yet. Let's see. But my phone it's... says it is, let's see, DM, DM, 7 or 56 right now. Looks like it's going to be a high of 79. You couldn't have asked for a better day to, to really have this Memorial Day weekend on. Like to, to really, I think Sunday is really that start of Memorial Day. Now, mind you, I think people kick in on Friday and Saturday night. And, of course, I think the, uh, the Rose Festival. Just kind of started, so if you want to go to the uh, to the carnival and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, that's all going on and everything. But this is this is perfect weather. This is damn near perfect weather, especially for Oregon. And you can do everything but go to the beach right now. I just think the beach is still. It's we live in Oregon. It's too cold. And so for all my people at the beach, man, pick you up one of those seaside sweatshirts. You know, with with the, the look like the lifeguard stuff but uh i'm not at the beach right now i gotta wait till it gets at least 85 went to the beach for the birthday earlier in the month and it was nice it was really nice there but i was still wearing a hoodie for a majority of the time which is fine i don't mind that i i'm still the guy that until it breaks 80 i'm still usually wearing at least a long sleeve if not a hoodie yeah. today's being a little bit different yeah um, well i mean you and i were kind of similar on the, the way we view weather and stuff like that like i'm i'm not really ready for um for for the for the cold to come back at any point, like I can deal with this hot. Like Lynch was tripping on, oh man, it's so hot. I mean, 85 is so, man, get out of here. 85 is awesome. That means I can barbecue every single day. Yeah. I can go to the river every other day when I get off of work if I want to. So I'm, I'm okay with this weather. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I'm, I'm usually pretty good. I can even take stints, you know, in the, you know, the triple digits once you get in the, I'm, I've been in, you know, Vegas when it's 115, been in Arizona when to. it's in that, you know, 115, 116. Normal of 112 in Vegas. Yeah. Like everything, if you leave it in the car for a couple of seconds, your Gatorade, your chapstick, you know, everything Instantly. will be hot and yeah. melted. And yeah. And the first day, the first time I went to Vegas, uh, it never got below 92, and that includes overnight. So it was just, it's just always hot when you go there in the summer like because that that was june so it was just peak summer peak so imagine imagine august well you know this is sports sunday i'm here again lynch is out i got my guy jesse here you can interact with us on the text line 55305 you can also get at us on twitter i'm at taylormade 503 he's at jesse osman um should i spell it for them I don't think nah, so. don't worry about it. But if it's the first time listening, A-S-Z-M-A-N is how you spell it. Uh, <laughs> we got a lot. Well, we don't have a lot, but we do. Like, I mean, it's that time of year to where there's only four basketball teams playing. Uh, baseball's in full swing, but at the same time, nobody's really watching because it's the end of May at this point. Um, 
and we're not the baseball experts here at the station. Either. Oh no, you know you gotta you gotta reach out to Patrick Harris and Mike Lynch if you want some baseball news. Rob is pretty knowledgeable. Yeah, he's got that. Well, he he actually know. had one of the um, Rob's first show on the station was a baseball show. Really? Yeah, yeah. He, um, you know, when he was still doing board hopping stuff like what I do, he was. Yeah. Dirt's went, a baseball guy. Yeah, you know, so you we know, have some baseball guys for sure. Yeah, we like, definitely have some baseball guys. I think as far as the basketball guys, it's what. Sprague, me, yeah. Uh, I, well, Swag's pretty big on the basketball. I would say well. Swag. I would say you know. I, I would say Dusty. Yeah, you know. So I guess it's more of us than the baseball guys. But the one thing is, I think we all kind of football is the one thing that we all agree on. Mm-hmm. It brings everybody together. Yeah, it just it's like a, a you know a big bonding experience for all of us. So we got a little football. And we'll make sure we get to that. But first, we got to get to man everything that's relatively important right now. Clay and the Warriors come up big last night, so we're going to dive into game six, what we saw, what went wrong for the Houston Rockets. Uh, The best two words in sports, no, it's not Patriots win, it's game seven. And we have two game sevens for the first time since 1979. I wasn't born even then. Yeah, I saw that too. This is the first time that there are two game sevens for the Western Conference and Eastern Conference Finals since 1979, so that's a huge... A huge reason to watch the conference finals. Who's to blame for the Rockets' loss? I've got a couple, couple you know pieces of blame to give. It's not who to who most people would think it would be, but there's definitely some blame to go around for everybody. What does Houston have to do to go ahead and win the West? We'll dive into that. Also, man, the NFL came up with a new policy in regards to the anthem protest. We'll kind of talk a little bit about that, just about the NFL side of it and really some hurt feelings from around the league and not just the NFL, but some people from other leagues have some things to say about that. So we'll make sure we kind of touch on that a little bit as well. Hater to love it coming up at 1030 as always. Um, man, we, we did anybody watch the game last night? I, and I say that in satire because I assume that everybody watched the game last night the Warriors are so good, and it's kind of frustrating that they're so good, but when they're rolling, like they started rolling last night in the second quarter, who can beat them? Like, honestly, I don't know if there is any team in history that can really compete with that. And listen, I'm I'm an old-school dude, and this is hard. It's, It's hard for me to say that, but, man, that team is just so good. So we're going to get into this game six victory for the Golden State Warriors when we come back right here on Sports Sunday on the Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Richard on 1080 The Fan. 9.15, Sunday morning. We're going to stay on time today. I'm going to make sure that we stay on time. That old theory that black folks ain't on time, watch. I'm going to dispel all of that this morning right here on 1080 The Fan. Um, last night, huge game for the Golden State Warriors. Uh, started as a huge game for the Houston Rockets. Now, we know the Houston Rockets are without um, what I think some people consider their best player, and that's Chris Paul. Um, Chris Paul has been really the identity of the Houston Rockets for the entire season. If they look tougher on defense, it's because Chris Paul is the toughest point guard in the league, barring no one. You know, arguably, 
uh, the toughest point guard that we've, you know, seen in the NBA. It's arguable. You know, you can make that for Chris Paul. But um, him going out at the end of game five, you could tell was a huge blow for them because as they came out in the game, they were looking for other people to get involved. Eric Gordon started incredibly hot. Trevor Ariza started incredibly hot. Uh, P.J. Tucker hit some really big shots for their team in the first half. Everything looked like it was going the way the Rockets had imagined it going in their heads. I was actually in the barber shop yesterday, and I'm watching the game, and I'm telling my barber, I think Houston can win this game. You know, I think they're really – Golden State is really putting a lot of um, a lot of hope in Chris Paul being an issue with, them, with him not being there. And for 12 minutes of that game – the Houston Rockets looked like they were on their way to the NBA Finals. I mean, they just they couldn't miss. P.J. Tucker hit every shot that he could hit. Uh, Garrett Gordon looked as, as red hot as I've ever seen him in any game, and he had 19 points to end the game. But when that second half started, things got ugly, and they got ugly quickly. It started with Steph Curry. Steph is one of those dudes, and we've talked about it on the show. He only needs to see one go in. And once he sees that one go in, he's a rhythm guy. And he's also a guy that feeds off of the energy of the crowd, be it home or away. He doesn't mind getting a few jeers and a few boos. That's just going to make him play that much harder. But last night he had that home crowd behind him. And once Steph got going, he got going. But it was the other, other superstar that was really the catalyst last night for the Golden State Warriors. Klay Thompson played his ass off last night. That kid, we already know he is the, with with Kawhi Leonard being out, he's probably the best two-way guard in the league, more than likely. You know, there's there. I don't think there's another two-guard that can do all of the things that Klay Thompson can do, especially on the defensive end. And he's been relatively quiet in these playoffs. He's been relatively quiet for the season, even though he's averaged about 20 points for the year. Last night, he came out to show everyone that, no, I'm I'm still that dude. I'm still like, I've been saying for a long time, Clay Thompson's a superstar. And people want to, you know, kind of take that tag away from him because he plays for the Warriors. But he won a championship before KD got there and was the other reason that it really happened. So he's taken really a, a, a third, a backseat role to Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson, excuse me, and Steph Curry. And he's still able to come out and be as effective as he was. Nine three pointers last night, nine times. The only person to make more three pointers. In the NBA playoffs, what do you know? Klay Thompson. He made 11 of them when they played against OKC back in 2016. And when they, that's when they came back from 3-1 to beat OKC and head back to the NBA Finals where they eventually lost to the Cavaliers. If the Warriors are playing like this, uh, who, who can beat them? Like, the, the, the 96 Bulls, they beat the Warriors when they're shooting like this? Outside of Steve Kerr. And I don't know if Kerr could shoot anything like Durant. What team beats them? Well, I think that's why after um, the yeah, – there, there's been questions about the Warriors because we knew that this is probably the team that we should have been seeing where if – Curry's off, then Thompson's on. If Thompson's off, Curry's on. If, you know, you always got Durant, who's always capable of scoring at any, any time. Draymond Green. Like, um, you know, it, you're 
you're just so loaded in this team in ways that you've never seen from an NBA team before. It, you've just kind of been questioning. You know, you heard you heard uh, Colin Cowherd on this station earlier this week saying um, after Game Five, basically that you know if they don't win the the finals this year, if they don't make it to the finals, then how can you consider Golden State a dynasty? And once again, we talked about this, how how quickly those dialogues change from game to game, but you're you're talking about a team that people have put up there as one of the greatest to ever be assembled, if not the greatest to ever be assembled, and now you got a guy out there saying, no, these guys aren't a dynasty, you know, and um, it, you know, we were also talking about this before the show about how they have in- had incredible luck go their way in yes. this run of... Um, of success that they've had over the last several years, um, whether it be uh, losing Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving in their to win their first finals, or you know, um, why Leonard Kawhi going Leonard down last year during the playoffs, uh, not being able to play against uh, Chris Paul when he had went down uh, at one time. Uh, yeah, there's been some incredibly fortunate, you know, things happen for the Golden State Warriors. You know, they've, they've been really lucky to be able to be in the position they're in. And also, they've been really lucky to be healthy at the right time. Chris Paul's injury um, hurts Houston much more than maybe Dan Tony or Chris or James Harden want to lead on. Chris Paul is the better ball handler. He is the better playmaker. And that's saying a lot considering James Harden's a dude who, man, sets guys like Clint Capella up to be, man, almost look like DeAndre Jordan, like a, a borderline all-star guy that can run that pick and roll and finish at the rim. Like, he's made Clint Capella look great over the last three years or so. So you know James Harden is an incredible playmaker, but Chris Paul, the patience that he has, you know, as far as holding the ball and making sure guys get to the right spot, he's a bulldog and he's kind of an a-hole. But, man, he gets it done. And I think you, when you're the point guard, you kind of, you got to be, you know, a little bit like that. But him not being there was a big problem. So now they don't have any other ball handler on the floor. And Golden State knows that. Yeah. James Harden is the key ball handler. Eric Gordon can't handle the ball like that. Uh, you don't want Bob Mute handling the ball like that. P.J. Tucker isn't a ball handler. You know where the ball is going. And yet and still, James Harden did what I think superstars do. He performed. I can't put a lot of blame, and we'll get to that in the next segment, but I can't put a lot of blame in what he did. I just He didn't have anybody on his team that would help out. Listen to Golden State's stars. This is what Golden State stars did last night. Kevin Durant, 23 points. Steph Curry, 29 points. Five three-pointers. Three of them in the, in the uh, third quarter. Clay, Clay, Clay Thompson, clearly 35 points. He did everything he was supposed to. James Harden's line on the night, 32 points, nine assists, eight rebounds, two steals. I don't know what else you can ask for from your superstar. And he did everything he was supposed to, but unfortunately... They're playing the Warriors. And Jordan Bell, with two points, had a plus 10 uh, last night. It's plus minus. Like, this is how good this team is. Guys just come in and play small roles, and they just give that shot in the arm that the Warriors need. I'm just – I don't know if there's a, another team that can lock down on defense like that because that's another part we're not saying. The Warriors' defense is awesome. The way they've been uh, switching on people and making sure they get the right matchups, man, is, is, is always great. Listen to these numbers. Through 36 minutes, Golden State's the the score was 93 to 43. Golden State shot 53% from the field. Houston shot 32% from the field. Golden State shot 48% from from three point. 48%, damn near 50%. Houston shot 25%. You're not going to win a game like that. 
The ball was stagnant, and I love James Harden, but he over-dribbled too much because there was nobody that can get open. There's nobody that cre could create their own shot. Eric Gordon was awful in the second half. Nowhere to be found. As was Trevor Ariza, but yet and still, the, you saw how good the Warriors are. And there's really no—I don't really know what else there is to say about them. Like, what haven't we said about well, the Warriors all year? This is this is what happens when you see the Warriors firing on all cylinders. All of a sudden, you're you, you're saying, okay, this is a team that's going to win the NBA Finals. That is a foregone conclusion. There's no team that can beat this team, and the closest team. That could made a great run taking him to a game seven. And th there's always once there's going to be those question marks. What would have happened if Chris Paul was in that that game? And that's always going to be in the back of your head. I, I always I kind of feel bad for the Warriors in that aspect is because of these little things. You're, you're going, well, I know how great they are. I know how much talent there is on this team. But at the same time, they, they kind of had a little bit of a pass here with injuries and a little bit of a pass here with injuries. And you never you know, how many full, like, fully healthy teams did they really have to beat in order to win these titles? And so I think that's kind of a little question mark asterisk that might be next to these Golden State Warriors if, you know, I don't know, you know, it's I think the last one that they win. Probably not. But. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to say that. But, you know, if they win, who's going to care? You know, there are a lot have been a lot of NBA teams that have won championships um, because of injuries. You look at that, what, 2004 Detroit Piston team that won a championship. Well, you know, Carl Malone, who was their third leading scorer, was hurt, didn't play in the NBA Finals. But yet and still, you know, we don't really talk about that part. You know, we just kind of gloss it over. I, I, I think in this game they would have won with Chris Paul on the floor anyway. Yeah. Honestly, I, I, I don't – Golden State doesn't lose at home too often, which is why when they lost in game four, I think it mm -hmm. was, it was, whoa. Like, yeah, they lost and, at home. And like why that. so many people expected him to win game five because Absolutely. they did win you know, so lose game four. For them to come out and do what they did in this game, wasn't incredibly surprised. I was surprised in the lack of effort at the beginning of the game. But a 17-point lead to the Warriors is more like a nine-point lead. Like, it's there, and you know it could be potentially bad for your team. But once they see one of those threes go in and they start, what they do is Draymond come. they give the ball to Draymond to come down to the block Everybody crashes on him because they think he's about to get a dunk, and then he throws it out to someone that they keep passing the ball around the perimeter. Somebody's eventually open, and even Nick Young, who was my least favorite NBA player in history, is a big part of what the Golden State Warriors do. Who knew? Swaggy P from the Lakers, worst team in the league, is going to probably win an NBA championship playing with the Warriors. Uh, you know, hey, my boy Jordan Bell. Jordan Bell. You know? Go Ducks. Go you know, Ducks. Jordan Bell you know, out there playing a small role. Hasn't really played any minutes in these in these playoffs, but came out and played a really big role, a tough role last night, including that big tip dunk that was kind of the, the coup de grace of the night to say, okay, well, this game is clearly over at this point. But Looney, they got guys that, man, you're not even really paying attention to that come in and make big plays for the Warriors, be it a big rebound, a big block. Um, a, a big dunk when nobody saw it coming. Like the Warriors have a lot of those guys on the bench, and all of them aren't even playing right now. And that's where you have a guy like Steve Kerr who gets these guys like no other. Well, I wouldn't say like no other coach, but very few coaches can, as far as the guys on their bench, getting them to understand what their role is, getting them to execute that role. You know, he, there are just few coaches like that. Like uh, you got a Greg Popovich who understands guys like a. Um, 
a Patty Mills, you know, who can come in. I know exactly how this piece is going to fit within my offense, and we're going to use his strengths, and we're not going to worry about everything else because he they just know how to take this piece and this piece and this piece and this piece and make them all work. And the, the funny thing about Golden State is if there's one thing I think that they're still trying to figure out, which I think is weird because it's end of season two, but I still think they're trying to figure out how to get Kevin Durant Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green working like a well-oiled machine on a regular basis because I, I, you know, sticking that fourth all-star in there, I think, has led to stagnation on the offense at times and why we have questions as to why is this Golden State team looking like Golden State? Got so many dang mouths. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, so they're looks like they're figuring it out pretty well, but will they be able to figure it out for a game seven? Coming up next. Matt, who do you put the blame on for the Houston Rockets' loss last night? I've got a couple ideas, and we'll talk about that when we come back. But first, Jesse has SportsCenter. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.34, back here, Sports Sunday, looking at the beautiful Willamette River. Right now, it's, man, all these boats out there looking good. Guys riding by on their bikes. Hey, how you guys doing? It's, now that we don't have, like, a something blocking the window, like, people are, you no know, people people watch. So they're coming by, and they're waving hello to Lynch and I, typically Lynch and I when he's here. So uh, it's it's kind of cool. You know, to have people walk by and be able to see you put and a, put a face say what's to the up name. a little bit. It's super cool because now that we can look out and on a day like this, like that's exactly what you kind of want to see, man. Blue skies, people with boats out there on the river. Um, pretty sure there's some sunbathers. There's a lot of joggers. You know, all the beautiful people are out right now. So come by here and see us here at Intercom. Or at least stop by the window and right. say what's up. Just get a little fan base out there. They start Why watching. Why not? Seriously. You know, let's, let's, cameras. Let's start a little, yeah, the fan window. And right. people come out there and just stand there, like, first take when they go on the road. Like game day. You know, yeah. they got all their day, school exactly. flags we'll hold and up stuff. signs on game yeah. days. I think that would be super dope. <laughs> <laughs> Last night was a big, uh, it wasn't dope for the Houston Rockets. It started on a really high note, but then it ended with a huge wet fart because... Those guys completely laid down, and the Golden State Warriors just ran all over this team behind Klay Thompson's nine three-pointers and 35 points. And Steph Curry's five three-pointers and 29 points, there was just no answer that James Harden and company could give. So you start doling out some blame, and as I've been looking at it, a lot of it's been going to number 13. Now, mind you, if you're a superstar if you're the face of a franchise, you're the leader of a team, yes, you are going to shoulder a lot of the blame for everything. You know, whether it's your fault or not, you're the star, you're the guy, they pay you the most, you're supposed to make it happen. You know, and especially in the playoffs where careers are built on these monumental moments that people have. You know, the um, whether it's Isaiah Thomas finishing the game on the, on the gimpy ankle or it's Willis Reed coming out the tunnel to, to, to win the game, or if it's Jordan's flu game. You know, these big moments or these big performances are really what you're looking for. I think James Harden had another one last night. Unfortunately, where was the rest of his team? Like, 
yeah, we talk a lot about James Harden and Chris Paul and how they've done things, but let's not forget, the Rockets won 65 games this year. The Rockets were in no way, shape, or form a fluke. Once before, when they had just James Harden and Dwight Howard, they were the number two seed in the Western Conference. And that was with Dwight Howard and Chandler Parsons. This team is much better than that team. But last night, after the first quarter, I'm asking the question, what the hell happened to the squad? All of a sudden, it seemed like everything that Houston's been doing all season was was lost. Now, I understand you didn't have Chris Ball on the floor. You don't have one of the better point guards to ever play to really. And he runs that pick and roll a little bit better than James Harden can run it. And he gives them another option when James Harden is out there to run that pick and roll. So when you have two guys running it up top, man, that's a problem for most defenses, and it forces guys to switch. So James Harden has been going to work on Steph Curry, and he's been going to work on whoever, whomever switches because that's what that play is designed for them to do. Not having CP3 there, they can't do any of that. So it's all on Harden's shoulders. And for a minute, you thought it was going to be Eric Gordon. He was on fire the first half. And again, big wet fart to end the game. Eric Gordon missed four of six free throws down the stretch that would have bought the score or made it a four-point game in favor of the Warriors. So they could have been in that game as the quarter ended, but he chipped things down the, down the stretch. He had three turnovers in the third quarter that resulted, and two of them resulted in Golden State threes. There was 18 total, 19 total, total turnovers for the Rockets, which led to 19 total points for the Warriors. It's a little, it's a reversal of last game because there was 18 total for the Rockets for the Rockets, and they were able to come up with 18 points off of them. I'm looking at the superstar saying, this isn't your fault, bro. I'm sorry. Like, not this game. Like maybe the last game it had they lost and you only came up with 19 points and five of 21 shooting or 22 shooting. Man, yeah, bro. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta body that because th- that's not good. But he did everything he was supposed to do. My question is, man. Where was Trevor Ariza in the second half? Because without Chris Paul's 20 points, 18 to 20 points there, meant somebody's got to put up that 20 points. And you look at the Warriors, and they had three guys to give you 20. And they had a couple guys give you 12. Like, that's kind of what you're going to need right now. And right now you have one guy giving you 30 and everyone else. So first person I'm giving blame to, I'm, I'm putting it on Eric Gordon. He was aggressive to start the game. And I don't know if it was just great Golden State defense because he was still getting shots, but they just weren't falling. He started playing terrible defense. He turned the ball over multiple times. Like Eric Gordon down that stretch was a big reason that the Rockets were able to outscore the Warriors, or the Warriors were able to outscore the Rockets 93 to, what was it? 43. I'm going to have to... uh... I think I put a lot of this on the fact that th- this team was built around the fact that you this year you have a point guard that probably sees the floor like no other point guard in in the NBA. You have a guy that will run multiple pick and rolls to set up the perfect look for what he wants to do for the play that he wants. Um, he, he manipulates defenses to 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 his will, and you lose that. Um, you have to play differently. Um, you can't play the same because you have lost a big 
if not the key piece of what your offense was based on this year. Harden plays it a little bit differently. I, I think Harden's more of a, a Damian Lillard style player as far as when he's playing the point position because he played that last year and his numbers were eerily similar to Damian's except a little bit better. Um, and you think about that, me, you know, I think you have to switch it. Now, I know the the one thing about that is, is now all of a sudden, you know, exactly we've you've touched on this. Harden's the ball handler. He is the ball handler on that Primary. team. And there's really nobody else that can do that. So it does make it hard um, for that offense to work that way. And that is kind of a. I put most of this on on Mike D'Antoni because I wow, I, it's all about adjustments at this point in the time, right? You get late in the series, it's all about adjusting your team and putting the the proper adjustments in place. And when you get blown out like that, and granted, it's on the road against Golden State, um, but in a game six, I, I put that more on on Mike D'Antoni because you need to make the proper adjustments when you lose such a key piece to your offense. We just had someone to text in. Thank you for texting in here, and make sure you interact with us five five three zero five. I like to have my people interact, especially as Lynch is out because you know more people in the conversation. I think Gordon was just exhausted. Hell, I think everybody is just exhausted. I don't. I mean, I don't. And if you think Gordon is exhausted, like how does Harden feel right now? Mm. Like how are Clay and Steph and all those guys, these people that are playing big minutes? Eric Gordon, it's been a long time since he's been asked to start and asked to come in and really be a scoring threat like that. I mean, when really, when was the last time in Eric Gordon's career that he's ever been asked to step in and, man, I need you to be the second primary scorer? That's ever? a lot to ask. That's a, that's a big— that, Oh, and, and do it in the NBA Finals against probably the best defensive team that, that that's in the league right now. Like, I mean, that's a, that's a huge ask for anybody. But, yes, he was tired— I think Harden was tired, which showed from his uh, 0 for 22 three-pointers that he had. And then last night came out and had five of them. So he did what he was supposed to do. Gordon, yeah, he was exhausted down the stretch, but everybody is. And I think that's the difference between good teams and great teams is that those excuses of tired, man, we can't use those no more. Like, because it's game seven. Like, we're, we're all tired at this point. Like, who is going to come out and show the most heart? And I really think not having CP3 there was a big – that was a big blow to to the heart of the Rockets. He's the heart. He's the leader. He's – I mean, he's your he's your main defensive presence. Um, it You know, that's uh, – what happens to the Blazers when you take away Dame? I mean, they just they oh, just they're trash. They're trash, right? I mean, so uh, – I think it's it's unfair to come in and say, Gordon, you need to be our second best scorer, and that and that's where I, I think the the focus in as a coach, you go, okay, what what we lose here? Okay, who are we playing against? Is it realistic to think that we're going to be able to outscore these guys? No, no. not not without CP three. So so then, okay, here's the adjustment. We have to do what we've been doing in a lot of this series, and we have to hold the Warriors under a hundred. That had to have been. His he he needed to challenge his team and D'Antoni I think, to, to hold the Warriors under 100. And if that's the case, then they had a great chance to win that game. And, and with the reason they held CP. them under 100 for those two games, and we got to get ready to break, but, man, they were tougher than the Warriors for two games. They just bullied them. They pushed Kevin Durant out of his spots. You know, they made Steph take even worse shots than he already takes. You know, forced him to do what he doesn't really like to do. And... That's how they won those two games. If they don't bring that nasty back, they won't have an opportunity to win. And uh, that nasty is going to have to come in game seven 
which there is another Game 7 that's actually coming on today. No Kevin Love. Is that right here on the fan? It's going to be on the fan. Right here on the fan, so you can listen to it. But first, we're going to preview it when we come back here, right here, Sports Sunday on the fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 948, looking at the beautiful Willametta. Is that how you actually say it? I don't like it. No, it's it's Willamette. Yeah, that's what to say. Uh, it was CJ that came on and said the Willametta. Yeah. yeah. Come on, CJ. Get, get, get with it, man. It's the Willamette, fam. Willamette. Univers- the, not the Willamette University. The poop-filled Willamette. Yeah. That's the Willamette. And it's, I mean, it's not that much poop. It, it depends on what time of year. Yeah. I mean, right yeah. now, I mean, I would, It's probably washed mostly probably downstream. put my feet in, like, the middle part of it. Like, not, like, <laughs> on the edge or anything like that. But I'll, I'll still go out there and kick it. The best two words in sports, and mentioned it already, they are game seven. And we have been blessed enough to have the first Game 7 for both conferences for the first time since 1979. Where should we start, Jesse? Should we keep it with Rockets, Warriors, or keep it moving to Cavs? You tease the Cavs. Okay, that's what's up. Let's move on. Uh, You know, okay, so watch this. We've only got a few messages here on the text line, but I'm about to say a cuss word on the radio, and it's something that gets everybody riled up. Watch this. LeBron. Wait for it. Here come the here come the texts. LeBron is the biggest hot button that you can possibly have in, in sports. I don't know if there's a more divisive. I thought Kobe was the most divisive person in sports, you know, because either you love Kobe or you hate him. Nah, LeBron. I've I've never seen somebody deal with the scrutiny, you know, as much as he as much as he's dealt with and and handle it relatively well for the most part. You know, he isn't no big scandals that we know of. I'm sure he has. You know, his DM is popping right now, but. Nothing that we would really concern most of us. He is one game away, 48 minutes away from going to the NBA Finals for what was already a record seventh time, but and a record beating eighth time. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, it would be. Eighth straight time eighth straight. to the NBA Finals. Uh, what is it, ninth overall? So... For 15 years of his career, only six times has he not participated in the NBA Finals. No, it's been saturated with LeBron. Let's let's put that into context right now. 15 NBA years, nine of them, if he indeed wins this game, nine of them will have been spent in the NBA Finals. If there is any real argument about who is the best, I think that should be. That should give you everything you need. Now, mind you, Magic was in the finals, like, I want to say almost every year except for, like, two for his career. You know, two or three, something like that. So that's impressive as well. You know, but at that time, the Western Conference, you know, it, it wasn't as awesome. You know, but, like, the Eastern Conference hasn't been awesome. No, but not at all. LeBron has been the one constant in the Eastern Conference. And right now, he's got he had his back up against the wall. And he came out. 
and he played amazing. He's undefeated in game sixes. I don't know if anybody knew that. LeBron is undefeated in game six. He averages like 41 point or 41 points and something stupid. I don't have those averages for game six. But the last game six he played was no exception. He went out there and he did exactly what LeBron James does. 41 40 something points, 11 rebounds, eight assists, or uh, you know, that's his normal stat line. Yet and still, I think people will look at Boston and say, yeah, I think Boston gets him in Boston. I think that Boston isn't – this is where you need a Kyrie Irving. This is where you're going to need a Gordon Hayward. And that's a whole different thing, Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. I'll, we'll have to get that to that on a whole another day because I think that's, that's going to be an interesting story as we move forward for, for the Celtics. Well, what do we do here? Because, an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. It's like, I mean, and really – what do you get for Kyrie if you decide to get rid of him? Like, I mean, what's a what's a comparable twenty six? How could I'm saying, you get what's, rid of a, what's guy a comparable who's trade for Kyrie Irving? Because you've if you're the Celtics, and I know we're getting off topic, but if you're the Celtics, you just showed you can get to the in conference finals without without you. Like, don't I don't really need you to get this far. I haven't played with you since the All Star game, so don't really need you to get to the conference finals. However, here you are. And you're one game away from beating the guy who's defined the conference final or the NBA finals for the last nine years or so. Uh. I think we're thinking about this the wrong way, though, right? Like, we don't need you to get to the NBA finals. Well, you, you it's, I think, the opposite, right? Like, you think about what Golden State did. Um, hey, we, uh, we made it to the finals, you know, we, we need Kevin Durant now. Like, we, we already won a, 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 championship without him but you know what we need kevin durant like we need him like we're actively going to go out and recruit him um because we know that's just going to ensure more finals you don't go "Ah, well you know we're a pretty dang good team without these two guys who are legitimate all-stars kyrie irving's a guy that literally enters that nba mvp conversation you you just got to go well no we get to add these guys to our roster yes but boston is the one team that looks three, four years down the line. We're looking ahead. Like, right now is awesome. But Boston is probably the one team in the, in the NBA that's doing things the right way as opposed to saying everybody else is building to win now. Boston is winning now with what they want, with what the future is supposed to be. Jalen Brown wasn't supposed to pop this year. That's that's a, that's a, that was a project. You know, you we nobody knew, everybody knew Jason Tatum was going to be good. But he's borderline star, superstar good Right now, like Jason Tatum is somebody over the next Tatum's two what years. They thought he was going to be, yeah. You know? and, and, but you didn't know he was going to be that today, this, yeah. You know, and exactly. I think that's the thing. The Celtics are in position today to to be set up for their future. Like they're the only franchises I look around, with exception of uh, maybe the maybe Philadelphia, but they're set up to win. Man, right now, and they didn't know that this would happen without the guy that they. So what's to say that they don't go out and say, "Hey, man, let's." What can, who's coming out in the draft? He's young. I, Kyrie's 26. 26 is way too young to say, because that's the thing. Like, Kyrie right now, like, like well, if you think about players in their prime, players typically don't in their, their prime until 25-ish. He's literally in the beginning of his prime. So why would you move on from that guy? I, I understand he costs a lot of money, but... That's why. Because I, yeah, but they're, they're all eventually going to cost a lot of money. And, and the fact the is... is yeah, the rookies will. They will. Eventually, play after four it. years, yes. They yeah, eventually. but that's the thing, though. That I think he's more inclined to go. Let's move on from a rookie after we've used their contract, and 
move on that way. I, I don't so, think he's going to do that with a like they they courted Gordon Hayward, they traded for Irving. I don't think that they're they're going to all of a sudden move on just because the draft has worked out. Mm-hmm. Because you know what, he Ainge is a smart GM and he's he drafts well. It like he didn't get Odin in that that year. What did he do? He instantly turned that team into a championship team by going out and getting um, Ray Allen. And getting yeah, Kevin I mean, Garnett. Like, he's a great GM. He's a great GM, and I think with that, it comes to him making good uh, good decisions about his roster. But that's that's a whole different thing. I'm looking at this Boston team as constructed right now, saying that, hey, man, they're 48 minutes away from going back to the NBA Finals for the first time since 2010. I guess, I guess what I'm asking is, what are the chances that, that the Celtics actually – Pull off what would be still be the upset, even though they are the top, the the higher seeded team would still be the upset. But what is what is what does this mean? This there's so many different things that this would mean if Cleveland loses. Like, is this the last game LeBron James has played with the Cleveland Cavaliers? What's going to happen with Kyrie Irving in in, in the offseason? You know, do they actually have a shot against? The, either the the Rockets or the Warriors. You know, there's a lot of things that have to be answered that will be answered, um, I guess, at the end of 48 minutes. Yeah. No, I, I think the the Celtics have a, a really good shot here. I, I know I, at the beginning of the season, I thought this was the year that the Celtics were going to come out. They lost uh, Gordon Hayward. They lost Irving. I changed my tune. They, they proved me wrong, and, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, I think a, we mentioned this last week, Brad Stevens um, and the fact that he has such a young roster. Uh, he can get these kids to buy in. They're not; these aren't like ten-year vets in the NBA. Most of them, you know, the, most of these guys are young. It's one of the youngest rosters in the NBA. Oh, yeah. And yet, and still, this is this is where they are. So, yeah. uh, real quick predic- prediction: uh, Who wins this game? Cavaliers or Celtics? I, I'm going to go Celtics. Just uh, the the way the series has gone, it has been so uh, momentum based on on the home court, and Celtics play so well at the home court. And the the Cavs, as as great as King James is, just they don't have the depth behind them. I'm gonna go with the Cavs uh, because of how great King James is. Uh, I just don't think there's anybody else on the floor that can match his intensity, match his uh, his size, strength, speed, whatever the case is. Um, and now that he's aggressive, he knows what he needs to do. Uh, you've seen a much more aggressive LeBron over the last few games, so. I say the Cavs win. I think the Cavs win going away tonight. Um, all right. First hour. Good job. Just one hour down, one more to go. When we come back, the NFL implemented a new policy. I'm pretty sure you know what it is, but we're going to talk about it when we come back here, right here, Sports Sunday on the Fan.